And then we came back with a third offer, which was extremely much lower than the first one. Yeah. Uh, it was like we're not going to pay any rent the first year. We're going to ha- we need one million kroners in 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 an investment, and and we also want you guys to pay the big opening party for half a million kroners. And then they said no, which of course in one way was what we wanted, but on the other hand we were also about to lose it. Yeah, you wanted to open the store, of course. But then they came back like three or four weeks later and said, okay, guys, we believe in you. We're going to give it to you. And um, from there on, it was a quite big success. We actually had an extremely good start. Hey, my name is Innocent Maginga, and you're listening to the Learnability Podcast. For individuals seeking growth, we've created this open-ended exploration into our ability and desire to learn. I guess you could call it a combination of what we know and how we learn. So in conversation with individuals, either speaking from experience, belief or science, we seek to find answers to how to navigate and win in this information age. If you listen to Swedish podcasts, you might have heard him with his podcast Influencerpodden, where he interviews different influencers to try to pick their brains of what it means to be an influencer today. He is an entrepreneur within retail and runs the company Slash 10, formerly Global Retail, which opened the first G-Star store in Sweden and expanded to 21 stores all across the Nordics. We get to know what the 23-year-old Anton thought and knew when he started this business and what the today 34-year-old Anton uses for tools in his continuous growth. The episode is recorded at Helio, their flagship location called GT30, and it's as much a workplace as a club as a laboratory. Many years ago, this was a a bank palace, and today over 100 growth companies meet in the lounges, the event locations, the bike shop, the pod studio where we're sitting right now, the gym, the bakery, and restaurant. Helio is a meeting place for ideas, people, and sectors. Learn more about them at Helio Works. Now, let's get into the episode. So, we're here today with Anton Granlund. Did you say Granlund or Granlund? I think I said Granlund, my bad. No, Granlund. I, yeah, that's a bad start, but yeah, yeah Granlund. <laughs> exactly, Granlund. Yeah. And you're, amongst many things, the founder of Slash 10. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about Slash 10 and what you do there? Well, Slash 10 is a, what other people would probably say, a staffing agency. Yeah. We'd like to call ourselves an energy company. I like that. What we provide to, especially retailers, um, is service through great people. Yeah. Basically, that's energy, right? The name Slash 10, we stole from Reddit. So when people thought th- things were great on Reddit, they wrote slash 10. So, so uh, that's where we stole the name. And that's also what we're aiming to be. We, we're aiming to be 10 out of 10. Yeah. And what we do is that we, uh, we help brands and retailers and, um, and landlords with you know, great people to make sure that they give good service in their stores. We've also now, the last couple of months, developed into... Um, having sort of a, also service from front desks. We also work with, with events and, and some restaurants as well because we do see that great people are needed all over the place where service is needed. So basically we are a service provider 
with people or by people. So you're the best at developing people and service and wherever it's needed, you you should be able to be applied, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, that's our, at least that's our aim. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we're striving for. And, and so far we're doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. All the projects that we have been involved with have succeeded or, or improved uh, if there's been a measurable part of it. Well, you have a really cool project out in the city, the lobby. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that and... Well, the lobby, yeah, the lobby is a, um, a way for a landlord to test new ways of doing retail. So it's, it's a more flexible uh, way of renting a space, which is not only there to sell, but it's also there as a media platform, as an event space uh, where you can activate your, your brand. Yeah, I've been there quite a few times for yeah. some activations. Yeah. And I think the idea is really, really good. Uh, they are developing it at all time, and, and I think... Uh, it's going to develop even further now in the future. But there we have people to give good service. Yeah. So they can focus on all the the new innovating stuff and know that there's someone there meeting the people with exactly. the service. Exactly. And you have, a, a, I guess, a long background now. You could call it, you've been in retail for quite a while. Yeah, well, basically I started my uh retail career if you say so yeah. uh, whilst I was studying at uh, Stockholm School of Economics yeah. um, so it was me and a friend who um, opened the first G-Star store in Sweden in uh, 2007 How old were you then? So I was 23 23, wow yeah. So I hadn't really fulfilled my, my, my studies at that time but so the last year I was running back and forth to school and, and to that store we had at that time which was located in, in the central part of Stockholm so I started through opening that store and then that evolved, opening more G-Star stores. And at the end of, of uh, 2017, yeah. uh, we had 21 stores, which we in the early 2018 sold back to G-Star. What a journey. That yeah, was fun. Could you tell us a little bit more about that journey? So your friend, did he study with you? No, so my friend at that time was one of my best friends. We we hang out and we went you know, training and, and yeah, things like that. Um, so he had a store at that time before opening the first G-Star store, uh, which was also located in the central part of Stockholm. And I helped out at some time. But we had a, a sort of a dream to, to grow big and, and to get more people involved. Create a chain. Yeah, well, was that yeah, well to build a culture and to, yeah. to build a company where, where, where more people could get involved. And that store that he had was not going to be that big. Okay. It was a good store, at that, but it was only like 30 square meters and, and it didn't have the real potential to scale up. Um, so we looked for something that where we could actually scale up. And then at that time we found G-Star. Uh, G-Star was not very known in Sweden at that time. It was doing quite well in, in Europe. But um, we found it. We saw it when we were at Ferris and such. And we contacted them and said, okay, we are interested in opening G-Star stores. How do we do? And what they said is, is basically if you create a business plan, if you find a location and you get finance, then you guys can do it. So uh, we went out looking for, for a partner and that uh, turned out to be Donny Pilotte, which is also one of my best friends, or at that time was. And he was also interested in doing this journey. So it was me, a guy called Peter Lindstål and Donny Pilotte. And, and we found a location in pub. Uh, we, we negotiated around the rent yeah. uh, and basically it took off from there. And a quite fun story around that that negotiation was that we just found the location and we heard about it and we contacted the landlord and we said, okay, we're interested in opening a G-Star store here. And they said, okay, guys, come to us and, and, and let's negotiate rent. 
Well, we had never negotiated around rent. <laughs> of we were twenty. I was 23 and, and Peter was some years older, but we didn't have any clue what to pay in rent. So we called one of our, our friend's fathers uh, that had owned a lot of, of stores himself and said, okay, we're, we're going to a meeting now. We're going to negotiate rent. How do we do? And he said, well, it depends, of course, on location. It depends on how big it is and uh, numerous of, of things. But I would go for a, sort of a, a step-based uh, rent where, yeah. where you start lower and then increase during the years. Uh, so we said, okay, that's a good, de- a good idea, but, but how much should we pay? And he exactly. said, well... I don't know, 8,000 square meters or 8,000 per, per you know, square, square meter. meter. Yeah. yeah, as a starting yeah. point in the start. And we yeah. thought that was huge because I paid like 2,000 kroners for my apartment yeah. in Gullmars <laughs> Plan. So it sounded so much. But but we said, okay, let's let's go for that for that uh, advice. We went to that meeting and we said, okay, we, we're here to discuss rent and we want 8,000 per square meters. And they said, yes, of course you get it. Directly? Yes. And, and we know that much that that's a bad negotiation. Yes. So we in the meeting said, okay, sorry, but we were wrong. We need to, to come back with a new offer. How did you get that in? Well, we we just felt that we had to do it because it, it, it was the feeling during the meeting that we were being tricked here okay. um, or, or that we were too eager to get it. So we came back uh, a week or later or something and then we had a new offer, uh, which was somewhat lower. And they at that time also said, well, you get it. And then we went off that meeting because we didn't have the balls at that time to say... We were, we we're not going to give you this again. <laughs> yeah. But we went off that meeting and felt this didn't feel really well, did it? Mm. And, and Peter said, no, it doesn't. So so we sent them an email. Sorry, guys, but we were taking this offer away again. And then we came back with a third offer, which was extremely much lower than the first one. Yeah. Uh, it was like, we're not going to pay uh, any rent the first year. We're gonna ha- we need one million kroners in, in, in an investment. And, uh, and we also want you guys to pay the big opening party for half a million kroners. And then they said no. Which, of course, in one way was what we wanted, but on the other hand, we were about to lose it. Yeah, you wanted to open the store, of course. But then they came back like three or four weeks later and said, okay, guys, we believe in you, we're going to give it to you. And um, from there on, it was a quite big success. We actually had an extremely good start. Yeah, I, I heard about G-Star and that store during that period. So let me think, how old was I? Did you open in 2007? Yeah. I think I was... Did you ever 18. buy the, the denims which had 96, 96 on it? No, I never had those. I had the Evizu. That was yeah. the same period with the, the painting on the yeah, back. Exactly, it was yeah. that time. We sold, I think we sold 12,000 pairs of, of that model in that store the first 10 months. So, uh, yeah, we made a lot of money actually on that pair of jeans. Wow, and yeah. good timing as well. Yeah, we, it was, of course, a, a large portion of luck as well. How much did you have your studies with you from Stockholm School of Economics? Well. To be honest, I, I, I'm not sure. We discussed it the other day at the office because um, there's one of the guys which is quite young and he's thinking of studying or not. But um, I don't think that much, to be honest. No. I think I could have learned enough with taking one or two classes. But on the other hand, studying at, at that kind of a university is also a way to, to learn how to take in knowledge, to, to you know, digest it. And, and that I learned, of course. So I'm quite good in, in taking in a lot of knowledge and, and, and getting the, the most important part of it. But again, I think I would have learned that in a year or so. so. I've gotten that you're very good with your self-education and we will get into that more uh, later in the conversation. But it's interesting to hear how even as you were 23, you felt like you maybe could have done it by yourself. 
Yeah, well, it's easy to say uh, looking back. Yeah, of course. Uh, at that time, I wasn't I wasn't thinking that I would start my own companies. I would rather thought that I would have taken and and you know been employed. Okay. Um. So so starting my sort of uh, entrepreneurial career um was happening a little bit by chance. Yeah. If I would have known that I would have done that, then I probably wouldn't have studied. But then again, I would have needed to know that it would have went well. Exactly. And and that I wouldn't have known. So yeah. um, looking back, I don't regret doing it. But if I would have known what I know today, I probably don't need it. So you started from that store. You built it up to 21 stores spread all around Sweden, right? Yeah. What were your like key learnings during this journey? So you're also going from 23 to how old before you sold? We were 30, I was 34. That's about 10 years of gaining knowledge. What are key learnings from this journey? Um, well, of course, there's many. One of them is, is like I just uh, told you about the example of, of negotiation, is not being afraid of doing wrong and learning from that and just trying a lot. Um, I think we learned the most by just, you know, throwing ourselves out there and, and trying stuff. Um, what I also learned, of course, is, is, uh, in, in our case, how important company culture is and, and how important it is to really work every day over and over and again with creating a good culture for the people working in your company and, and how much better your company get if everyone develops. So our main focus is, uh, during these years has been on, fo- on really creating strong company culture and making sure that we try to get people as you know, happy or, and, and motivated as possible. And I've seen that you're really good at this. I also have experience from a retail and yeah. we... We used to work a little bit close to each other, yeah. We sold a lot of G-Star and there's some similarities there. And uh, I've, since I started in retail and started this journey, heard of Global Retail, which the company was called, and uh, you and the whole team and what you're doing. A lot of good things, I hope. A lot of good things, definitely. And I've met people who have worked with you and uh, only good things about the emphasis you put on education and learning. Mm. And I'm actually interested in hearing more about your thoughts and methodologies going about this because I know you yourself acquire quite a lot of knowledge and you try to continuously spread this because that's the important part, it seems like, in your, as you call them, stars. Yeah, yeah. What we try to do is, is make sure that our company culture is created by strategies and processes and methods. Yeah. So we don't leave it by chance. So we have tried to thought out how could we create the most, you know, the, 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 the best culture that we could ever, uh, you know, want. And, and stars was one thing is because if you call people stars instead of staff yeah. or employees, uh, and if you believe that they also are stars and not staff and employees, um, that creates different feelings for the people. If they feel like stars instead of staff or employees, that create different thoughts. Definitely. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's psychology uh, methods where you say that behavior, thoughts, and feelings are linked. So if you feel something that creates or that affects your thoughts, mm. and, and that thought also going to create or change your behavior. So they're linked. So behavior, thought, and, ch- uh, or, and feelings are linked. And if then a word creates a feeling, yeah. then most it's likely gonna, it's going to create your, or, or going to affect your, your behavior as well. So things like that, we've been thinking about a lot. So that's one thing that we do. Um, and other things, 
I s- sometimes use Maslow as a as a sort of a method to explain how we think, even though Maslow is sometimes discussed whether or not it's, it's, it's really uh, academically a, a proven theory. But in general, Maslow said that if people, you know, get more needs fulfilled, they feel better. And if you think that, as I do, uh, if people get their needs fulfilled, if they feel better, they're also prob- probably going to perform better. Yeah. So what we try to do in our, in our companies during the years is is do as much as we can to fulfill people's needs. And that's, of course, physical needs. Yeah. It's safety needs. It's belonging needs. It's, it's self-fulfillment. And those things you can create by doing things, uh, such as making sure that people hang out, making sure that there's time for, for also outside of work doing things. Yeah. Uh, self-fulfillment or, or, or self-esteem is created by probably giving feedback giving a lot of feedback to the people Definitely. and letting them know if they do well, for example, yes. which is probably the most important thing. So we've done a lot of, of, of different things during the years to make sure that the culture is, is um, on top. You seem to be very aware of these cognitive abilities and disadvantages that we have. And you work a lot, I'm guessing, with young individuals. And that has its pros and cons, of course. Like as a young, hungry individual, you might be very adaptable, but you might also not be or be adaptable in another direction. What's your thoughts or experience of working with younger adults? Well, first of all, they make me feel young. So that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, in general, what, what, we, what we see is that Good service is very much based on personality. Yeah. It's not as much based on knowledge. Um, it's, it's more the, the feeling that you like someone, and that's probably sometimes a lot more linked to your, to your behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say in general, the people that, that, that are young and that we are working with are really good in, in physical meetings because they have great personalities. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't know why they're doing is. so well oh, yeah. or why it's working out so good. Mm. Um, and, and that's sometimes you need to, to try to learn them, but most likely they're going to learn during life by themselves. So they get sort of, of, of knowledge on, on, okay, if I do this, this happens. So cause and effect. Young people don't have in general as much knowledge and experience from life. Um, they gain that during the years, but they have still a lot of energy and they have a lot of enthusiasm. And uh, I think those things are, are really important when it comes to working in, especially nowadays in, in stores, because it's quite, you know, you need to put a lot of energy and effort into to those stores to make, make them successful. Yeah, because it's, it's so, you know, the, the environment out in retail, first, especially, is really difficult today. So your job becomes to try to guide that energy, the, the drive. Yeah. Basically. And how do you do that? Is it like goal setting and yeah, finding their individual reason behind it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's also, of course, a lot of things, but, but one of the most important things is, is, of course, making sure that they have a goal. Yeah. So um, making sure that they have a goal and whilst they have that goal, then they need to look at, at their SWAT or their current situation on how close or far away are they from that goal. Mm-hmm. And depending on, on how big their goal is, then that, this, that distance is short or, or, or long. Yeah. Uh, 
and they need to bridge that gap through actions. So what we try to teach them is that if they want to go somewhere, if they want to become something, then they need to not only think of that, they also need to act on it and Take do things. So we try it. to give them or teach them or mentoring them on what actions will probably get them closer to their goals. So that's something that we work with, uh, making sure that they, they, they find those actions and that they, those actions are precise and, and clear. And those goals can, I'm guessing, be outside of what they're doing at your company. I love that. I wish more I mean, employees, uh, again, employers would if, do that. Yeah, but uh, like, like I said, in, in the, if, if they feel well, then they do well. So, I mean, if, if they have an ambition and a drive to go somewhere further away from our company and yeah. we can be a part of that, yeah. then that's good enough. And let it be three years or whatever that they're driven at your place. Exactly. So, so that's one of the things that we do. And then, of course, we try to, to give them methods on, on how to do, give good service. We, we train them. Yeah. Uh, we do role plays. We do, um, you know, we let them read stuff that we think are inspiring and, and interesting. Um, so we try to, to just give them as much knowledge and in the way that we think they are, are you know, they, they want the, the knowledge to, to be given as in. well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I think the tool I was telling you about earlier could be something within yeah. your team. Yeah. yeah, for sure. How do you do when you seek out mentorship? Well, I try to look at, at um, what inspires me and what inspires me um, and, and, and see where I can find that and and. I've had one of my, which is also today now one of my best friends, I've Henrik Bunge, which is CEO of Beyond Boy today. But at the time when he was mentoring me, he was the CEO of the, the Scandinavian or, or Nordics um, for Adidas. And for me at that time, I wanted someone who had the same energy and drive, but more experience and, and who'd done sort of some of the mistakes that I were going to do. Uh, and give me tools and actions on how to to get closer to my goals and and... Yeah, he did that a lot. And then, then I try to give that away to the people internally, but also external people as well, if they ask me. What were some of those uh, tools and strategies, if you uh, mind to well, share? Yeah, I think the most important thing that he, he learned me was just the fact that that um, sort of a framework where you work with a goal, you look at the current situation, bridge that with actions, you look at the values or, or the uh, yeah the values you need in, in, in that tasks and and then in the end, you also ask you, yourself, why do I need to do this? Yeah, so it was a good framework that I use basically every day in my life today. And also hear how you manage to apply it uh, with your team members yeah. as well. Yeah. I have uh, got an impression of you as a very high performing individual, both as an entrepreneur, personally with the fitness and uh, just as a human being. Uh, would you describe yourself as a high performer? I'm not sure, but I'm glad you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I'm not really sure what a high performer is, but I, of course, I'm um, I'm eager to perform. So if that's a high performer, yes, um, I I try to be the the best version of myself that I can be, um, and I'm a, quite afraid of losing, and I'm quite afraid of not performing well. So, yeah, that's um, if that's a high performer, then yes. It sounds like it drives you to uh, yeah, being a high performer. Yeah, and it scares me as yeah. well. <laughs> so. I think it does both. Um, I, I'm both, I know, of course, I, I'd like to achieve, but I'm also very afraid of not succeeding. Do you believe there's a source to this uh, feeling or mentality? Yeah, well, um, 
I don't know, but I I think I I learned from an early age uh, through my mom, which is uh, an amazing mom, uh, but also someone who puts quite high standards and and, and you know she expects a lot from me. Yeah. That's that's one thing. So you know whenever I I did tests in school or if I had a competition at at uh, athletics or whatever, then yeah. then she expected a lot from me. And how did you handle that in the younger age? Well, I don't really recall, but I rec- uh, I do remember that um, I sometimes didn't feel that I was, uh, you know, performing good enough. All right. And, so and, always uh, the so, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably one thing. And then, of course, uh, I mean, society in general t- teach you that that it's good to succeed and it's good to do well and it's good to, you know, I don't know, get money and and look good and and those uh, things. So it's probably a combination of a lot of different stuff and. Yeah, I, I I've worked on it the last year to be more at ease or and to be more you know f- to feel well and uh, and I think I've gotten somewhat on that journey. You were talking earlier about the social skill, that's the main key in the individuals you work with, I guess. Yeah. Do you think emotional intelligence is something you can teach and become better at? Without knowing, I would think so. Because I think whatever you do, if you do it just, you know, more and more times, then you get better at it. So if someone who's not as emotionally intelligent as someone else, and that if you would put that person in situations where they need to, you know, practice this, then they would probably be better at it sometime. Um, Like everything else, I think we have different starting points. Um, But I would definitely say that you, I would guess that you could learn it. Yeah. I think my guess is the same. So there is emotional intelligence, also called EQ. Yeah. We know of IQ. I've named this podcast Learnability after Learnability Quotient, so LQ. Mm-hmm. It's about your ability and desire to learn, which you really seem to have a high level of. Do you believe that's something you also can work with? And is it something you work with like, inspiring the individuals you work with to have a high desire and also increase their ability to learn. Yeah, I would say it's, it's probably the same thing as as you say with uh, emotional intelligence. If you do it over and over again, you get better at it. Uh, some people think it's it's difficult maybe to to um you know focus or they just haven't learned how to read or they you know they don't like it that much mm. then then probably you need to find ways of, of inspiring them in doing it and create new behaviors for them. And creating behaviors is most of the times done by, you know, giving uh, people the feeling that they do well when they do things mm. uh, and that they get that feedback. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so of course, if, if I, if, if we want people to learn and, and to read or, or whatever, then we need to make it fun and interesting to do so. Uh, and that you can for sure do. And I also think uh, the goal setting that you do also makes it more natural. You understand why I'm reading this now yeah. because it's moving me towards my goal yeah. as well. And speaking of habits, mm-hmm. is that something you would say you're in in control of your habits and think a lot about? Yes, I think a lot about it. Uh, we all have habits, of course, uh, and some of them are, are easier and, or, and some of them are more difficult to change. 
But in general, if I have things that I, I, I don't try to focus on changing a lot of behaviors at the same time. I think no. that's very difficult. Uh, but if there's things that I really want to change, then I, I really put my focus into changing those behaviors. And I, I'm quite good in doing so. Um, How is your social media use? Uh, well, it's interesting you ask about it because I, I just had the last couple of weeks. I, I think it's so good with this, uh, the, the, the iPhones nowadays show you how much you use your iPhones yeah. and how much you use each and every app of it. Um, and I, when I saw that, I had, I think, uh, three and a half hours of, of, uh, of using my phone what? screen yes. time. So I, I, and I, and I saw, I think I had one hour almost on Instagram every day. Mm. Uh, and I said to myself that this is too much. So I, I just, uh, I, I thought I would try to, to get it by half. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, for two weeks I've, I've reduced it. So I, I use my screen time for almost two hours a day. And then I use my, uh, my Instagram on not more than 20 minutes a day. How did you go about? I think that's important to, <laughs> it's an important well, lesson I, I, joined, I, I did different things. Uh, one of the things that I, I never use my phone during, uh, when I'm in bed. So I, I have my phone. Uh, out in the kitchen, mm. it's close enough to so I I I wake up by it uh, every morning uh, because the alarm is on my phone. But you still have to get out of bed. Exactly, which yeah. is also a good thing. Yeah. Um. So 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 I don't use my phone, you know, for the last half an hour or hour when I'm in bed. So that's one thing. Uh, other things that I've done is that I I try to put it away uh, while I'm at at the gym, for mm. example, because mm. I tended to use the phone every time I was in between, you know, activities or in between sessions. I just did that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I have yeah. to stop it. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah you, you posted it on Instagram before this uh, interview as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I try to find, you know, small things. Just It's it's just like if you don't want to eat candy, don't have candy at home. Mm. So try to, to, to find ways to take away what is, you know, what you want to take away. Mm. So in this case, if, if it's your phone you want to take away, when, then find ways to, to get it out of, of your hands. That's really a proactive approach. Like you're talking about the candy. If you have candy, you will reactively move towards it. If you have your phone in bed, you will reactively use it. It's at least more, more difficult to not doing it. Yeah. So speaking of social media, yeah. how long time ago did you release Influencer, Influencer Podden? Podden? Yeah. Uh, well, like you, I have a podcast uh, that I started at uh, the end of 2017. Yeah. So a year and a half now. Um, so I, uh, as of today, I think we released around 75 episodes. Wow. Once every week. And you have some prominent guests in there? Yeah. Well, what so, are you talking about? So the name Influencer Podden is, um, you know, it's it's about influencers. But, but what we try to do is also broaden the scope of what an influencer is. Yeah. Because... Um, Today, everyone who's affecting someone basically is an influencer mm. and, and someone who can affect. And of course, if you have a larger uh, audience on your social media, then you have a larger probability or a larger um, possibility yeah, of affecting people because you have a, a large audience. Um, so, so people that are big on social media tend to be better influencers or they, at least they can be better influencers. So I interview people who are famous and are affecting people and inspiring people. And I try to find out how they do it. And I try to find out their best tips, but also who they are as persons. What have you learned from this um, experience and these conversations? Uh, well, of course, a lot of things because the, the topics are, are broad. But um, one of the things that I learned, which I think personally is, is one of the most important things, is that everyone has a story to tell uh, and everyone can affect other people. 
So uh, I've never met anyone which I didn't find interesting. Also in general, I think that goes for life in general. If you ask questions and if you find out who people are, then they all have a story to tell. Yeah. So that's probably the most important learning. Uh, but then I've learned everything from how to, you know, become better on, on social media to, uh, to how to think differently like Alexander Bardas. Have you ever thought of packaging a lot of your uh, mental models or tools and the strategies you use with your uh, coworkers and broadcasting that on social media? Uh, if I ever thought of it, yes. Uh, if I think I will do it, no. No? I think there's uh, so many people doing it. But I do sometimes... Uh, You know, give lectures and, and that oh, yeah. kind of stuff uh, on, on these topics and that I like. But I don't think, uh, I don't think I'm going to be focusing. I might share it, you know, on my Facebook mm. or Instagram if I find something that I, I'd like to share. But I'm not going to take a, an active role in, in, I don't know, creating a platform for it or something. All right. Because I'm guessing the influencers you talk to put a lot of time on their social media, right? They sure do. Yeah. And, then they, and they use their screen times a lot in general. So, I'm thinking we should move into my recurrent questions. How much time do you dedicate to self-education? Well, I dedicate, um, it depends on, I mean, sometimes I do it like a couple of hours every day even. Um, and sometimes it goes a little more in between the, 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 the periods. But one of the things I do every year is that I go away for a trip by myself. Yeah, uh, I've seen that. That always starts off my, my self-education part. So I, at that trip, I go somewhere where it's warm and I can, uh, where I can train. Yeah. And then I put a week aside to read, write, and, and, um, yeah, and exercise. Um, so that, during that week, I most of the time read, I don't know, five or six books, so a book a day most of the times. Then I say most of my mornings I read or listen to an audiobook for half an hour, an hour. Yeah. during my walks with my dog. Yeah. You're talking about at home now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at okay. home. Yeah. I'd say that I do quite frequently. I, I try to read every day in my, the newspapers that I, I need to read and, yeah. uh, and which is sometimes, you know, market or habits, yeah, which is course. from Business. our industry. So you seem to be big on reading. Is that your best source of information? Books? Yeah. Yeah. Read or listen. listen. I, I also do a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. But you like, book form do you listen a lot to podcasts for example not that much no no uh, it's a uh, you know even though i have one by myself yeah. <laughs> i listen to those and then i feel that i've listened enough but yeah, no i get it i sometimes listen to a podcast but it's not as much as i read i i like both of it books it's condensed it's yeah. thought through what i like about podcasts is uh, it's the conversation form so you can get an answer and question of that answer uh, and i listen a lot to podcasts yeah, i really? think i do what's your favorite Three to four hours. Apart from my influencer podden, because exactly. I think that's most likely your... <laughs> Apart from influencer podden and learnability. Yeah, the one you like the most. But <laughs> uh, I like... Um, it's quite w- wide. I can't pick one, but let me pick a top five and they're all in the first spot. Okay. So Invest Like the Best yeah. is uh, really... Do you, Have you heard it? Yeah. I really like that. He's such a good host and curious guy. Joe Rogan has a lot mm-hmm. of interesting episodes. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, and I love how he accidentally educates people. Yeah. And then I have the more produced uh, formats, which is like TED Radio Hour from NPR. And another one from NPR is Radio Lab. And I like Masters of Scale. 
and there's a new one called this is an extra bonus one yeah. should this exist okay cool uh, by Katerina Fake okay, uh, which explores heard. new startups and future startups so it's it's quite wide interesting but i love podcasts yeah so what's your best hack for learning well try to create your habits uh, or try to create space for for learning mm-hmm. if it's half an hour every you know at the beginning of the day or if it's half an hour before you go to sleep but just try to create habits for it and uh yeah if you if you start by do so if you i mean if you read half an hour a day yeah. then that's going to be a lot of books during a year you're going to learn a lot from it so i think that's that would be my best hack that's so true and it comes back to being in control and also the proactive approach yeah. so you can uh, um pity yourself in i don't have time to read mm. or you can make the time like you're yeah. talking about yeah i mean even read two pages then um yeah there's a really interesting book called mini habits which uh, have you read it no no so it's it says that creating habits is is sometimes and most of the times a lot easier if you start small mm. so if you want to start exercising then it's good to do one push up yes. because if you don't one push up you're probably going to do at least 10 if you can do it Same thing with reading is so if you feel like okay I really want to read then start by reading one page a day because if you read one then you're most likely going to read two and if you read two then you might read three and and it continues like that so I think that could also be a good hack start small yeah I like that in general that's a good way to to creating behavior and and habits get yourself in that positive feedback loop exactly. so you reinforce the positive behavior correct so my favorite question yeah If you were to write a book that would be read by all young adults in the world, mm-hmm. what would be the title and subtitle of that book? Um well, without knowing uh, what I would put in that book, yeah. It would say how to find happiness by being you. Being true to yourself. Yeah. And but I don't know how you do it, but just yeah, I was gonna. I would ask, read it, I would read it myself. Explore it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a book you would like to buy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, but I think it's so important, especially nowadays, to to really emphasize on on the, uh, you know, really trying to be true to yourself and and learn who you are and and develop from there and and, and just you know, try to be happy on on who you are. Very important, and we've been talking a lot about this, the social mirror. Mm-hmm. and how this is even stronger or enhanced today with our social media tools yeah. and it's so engulfing in our lives true do you speak with the influencers that you have on the podcast about this and about how society is shaping today and the power of social media yeah well yeah i do i i mean, i both speak on 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 how they i think and and uh, how they affect young people and their audience yeah uh, as well as their view on on in general what social media affects people and i think what's interesting is, is a lot of them has quite a negative uh, i mean they like their jobs so they like what they do and and they think that and they like to influence people and and they think they do it quite well but they think that social media like you know the platforms like instagram facebook are affecting people in in bad ways as well and mm. then, and they think that people use those those platforms too much And yeah, I agree. So when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost focus temporarily, mm-hmm. what do you do? I exercise. You exercise, yeah. You're big on exercising. How often do you do it? Uh, yeah, basically every day. Every day? Yeah. In one what way. form? 
Well, it, it, that that depends. That's why I said in one way or another. But right now, I'm just I'm doing things that I like. So it can be everything from martial art to going to the gym or canoeing or you know the, those. Uh, but sometimes I've I've had a a goal of doing Ironman or oh, yeah. uh, you know swimming to Gotland like we tried to do last year. And then of course that's then I swim a lot or I yeah. bike and I run and. But but at the moment I I do what I like to do, mm-hmm. and that's changing between weeks. What you just said got me thinking. What's your relation to short term goals versus long term goals? Yeah, and how do you use both of them? Well, I use the same framework for myself as I as we were discussing in the in the beginning. Um, so I try to have a long term goal, which is a lot of of more like a vision. Yeah. I, I I have this you know this picture in my head on how I want things to be in, mm. in the future. And then I, I look at, so when I, when I go by myself every year, then I, what I basically do is that I look at that year and what my goals for that year is. Mm. So that's taking out of that large vision, like, okay, what do I need to have for goal this year to get close to that big vision? Uh, and that can be uh, for my work. It can be for my re- personal relationship. It can be for my, my training or exercise. So physical goals. Uh, and then what I do from that yearly goal is that put in that into monthly goals, and those monthly goals I put into weekly goals, and those weekly goals I put into daily and hourly goals or an hourly actions. Do you do this in a spreadsheet? Yeah. You do it. Yeah. All right. Is that something that you share? Yeah. Or could share? Yeah, of course. I would like to share that yeah. if, if possible. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah. I've also tried different uh, tools and created my own spreadsheets, yeah. trying to. Break it down per the hour. Yeah, and it's always interesting uh, seeing different people's. Yeah. For tools. me, it works well. I I do it so every Monday I plan my week uh, on the actions that I think I need to do in order to get closer to my goals, and then I try to stick as good as possible as to those. As possible. Yeah. How strict are you on yourself with with that? In what way? In in those actions? Yeah, mm, quite strict. Yeah, uh, but it's I mean. It's not if something more important comes up, and then of course I'm going to prioritize that. But I I try to to at least ask the question if this is more important than the things I were supposed to do. Okay. So, what are you eager to learn within the near future? You were quite recently on your solo trip. Mm-hmm. Mm, what do I want to learn? Well, I don't think I have it like a a, a topic. Uh, that I that I'm looking at but I'm I'm really interesting to you know to find and learn how we can develop slash 10 mm. better yeah so that I look for all the time so things that we can do to improve our offer or to be able to scale up or uh, you know just grow and still doing well mm. so I'm eager to to learn more things that can help us improve our culture even more As a previous uh, retail uh, dude, mm-hmm. uh, would you mind sharing maybe how your thoughts are going? I would like to. Oh, yeah, on retail. Yeah, on retail and uh, well, service. Well, I, th- I, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the 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 S curve, but uh, the S curve is a way to explain any phenomenon in the world um, where something starts off like quite slowly in general, mm-hmm. uh, and then it develops during time, and then it slowly slows down, and then it dies. Yeah. So uh, that can be, you know, the industrial revolution, but yeah. it can also be smaller things like, uh, I don't know, a company. Yeah. Um, 
I've used something similar in an adoption curve yeah. of a startup. Yeah. So if you haven't learned, uh, if you haven't read the S curve, read it because it's an interesting uh, method. But I think the old way of doing retail yeah. is at the far end of that S curve. So yeah. basically, it's dying. So looking at um, if you were to look into the future, you need to think that there's a new S curve created now or oh, yeah. being created. So you need to stop look at what used to work when you try to look at what will work in the future. Mm. Uh, what I think we will see a lot more in retail is, of course, a lot more experience, a lot more understanding that that the uh, the retail space and the stores are there to build brands. Mm. Um, because in in general, all the products in the world is generic. Yeah. So. Basically, there's an existing option to all there is. There's, a, there's no, like, a very few at least, products that are exclusive. Yeah. So if that's the case, then you need to, to you know, grow your, your brands through other things than products. Also, most likely, other things than price, because there can only be one winner in price. Um, so you need to create experiences and you need to build that brand through those experiences and if that's the case then the the physical retail space is the best place in the world to create experiences and and to build your brand because you're there's multi-dimensional so you have everything from scent to touch and then you and you have a physical meeting with someone who can inspire you and adapt to you specifically as well exactly that's a big part exactly so i think that the um the retail space in the future will be, uh, you know, communities where where you learn and where you meet people, and uh, like I don't know if you are to call them social cultural phenomenons, maybe. Um, I'm liking that future. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah. So it's it's going to be way different than it is today, and it's uh, it's not going to be boring anymore. Because if you are to go in traditional retail stores today, it's it's like being in traffic jam. It's, yeah. It's, it's even though everyone speaks about experiences and and you know that that their store concepts are so you know interesting and they're they're so exclusive and they're so you know groundbreaking they're not there are very very few of those great retail spaces today you look a lot into the technology uh, like VR and uh, how this will be used yeah yeah, quite a bit. I, and of course, technology is going to be a, a large part of, of the retail spaces in the future as well. Integrated. Uh, but but the thing about technology, and I think this is why Slash 10 is so interesting, is that technology, concept, products, uh, data is quite, uh, you know, um, democratic. Mm. Everyone can access it. Yeah. And, and it will also get a lot cheaper. Mm. Uh, and if everyone can access it, then that's also going to stop being... Uh, a competitive advantage. Yes. And if that's the, the case... Sort of, yeah, yeah, exactly. So if that's the case, then what you can compete with is people. So we're going to go back to, you know, making people even more important, probably. And I think that's why I, what I believe in, why Slash 10 is going to be a successful company in the future, because we are, you know, we're focusing on people and mm. creating or building great people. Mm. And, and that's difficult to compete with. And but it's the most important thing, probably. That was what I was going to say. We see as we become more and more digital, the meeting becomes more and more important. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting intersection you're working in. Yeah. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life? 
I'm not sure which one has most improved my life, but I know when I read uh, the book Sapiens, yeah, I found out or I realized that everything is made up. So, you know, everything from, uh, I don't know, believing in God or uh, mm-hmm. believing in money or believing in uh, uh, a democratic society, it's all made up. Social structures. We've Everything made is up. made up. So yeah. it's, I mean, it only works when enough people believe in it. Yes. So I think that's in one way sad, but it's also liberating. So, um, so that's something that, that I don't take things as important as I used to do. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Uh, this book, Sapiens, um, got me in the same thoughts. But the next thought, was why was it made up like religion yeah oh it was made up because we didn't have laws and we needed to establish norms of, yeah. of behaving so there has been a purpose with that of course what do we need today though we seem to need religion but what is the next type of religion and and how is it created on yeah. what basis is it created mm. so it doesn't become a burden maybe mm. or or dangerous in some way Yeah. Uh, so that's another reflection. Yeah. Really great book. Would you recommend it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think it should be uh, taught in schools. I think it's uh, really, really good. So my last question, this is a new question I'm throwing in. What is the kindest thing somebody has done for you? The kindest thing... Well, it's uh, my mom giving birth to me, so that was nice of her yeah. uh, to <laughs> bear the time. to bear the pain yeah. and and, and uh, deliver me. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the kindest thing anyone done to me, but in general, I think kindness is a little bit like love, uh, in the sense that if you do it with no expectation of someone giving it back to you, then I think it's kindness. So um, whenever people done things to me by pure, you know, just pure kindness, um, or when, when someone loves someone in, and tell them that they love someone without expecting them to tell them that they, the other person loved them back, then I think that's, uh, that's kindness and that's love. And That's yeah. a beautiful answer. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for your participation Thank in this. Thank you, Innocent. It was a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to the Learnability Podcast, and I'm your host, Innocent Muginga. If you want to contribute to the platform or find previous episodes and additional material, you can do that at learnability.online. Learnability.online. And oh yeah, don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>